But in reality, what is it that you have come here to hear? And what is it that you have come here to see? As we have talked about, the season of Epiphany is a season of revelation. Uh, that in this season we are hearing the stories of Christ being revealed to the world as he has come in this flesh. To see what it means to have the Savior come in the, in the flesh. What it is like to have him in our lives. What it means for him to be a part of everything that we are a part of. And the thing about having something revealed to you is that you might be disappointed. It's not what you had thought it would be. I remember trying Nutella for the first time. And everybody that I knew loved Nutella. So I had very high expectations. And I was sorely disappointed. Now, if I had kept my imagination going in its revelation, without its revelation, I could maybe still like Nutella now. But I will gladly pass it up. Because I have tasted. I have seen. I even heard. And it is not what I want. What is it that you have come to see? What is it that you have come to hear? We have the story today of two different groups who came to see and came to hear. The main group that we often would find ourselves focusing on is that that is in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus walks into his hometown synagogue. I imagine it would be the same of any of us that grew up in a church coming back home to that church. Maybe the people knew who he was. It seemed to do so by asking the question that they asked. But they expected something of him. Jesus says, came around to the time of the guests to stand up and read and give a good word in the service. Stood up and he has them bring out the scroll of Isaiah. And he unrolls it all the way back to chapter 61. Which means this was a very purposeful text that he reads out loud. And the text that he chooses to read out loud is one that sticks with us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind to set liberty to those who are oppressed. All eyes were on him. Now, if, if you've ever sat in a class with me and I've talked about this text, the thing that is always amazing to me is the way that Luke describes word for word the setting and the scenario. Jesus rolls up the scroll after he's done with it. He hands it back to the attendant and he sits down in his spot. And all the eyes of the synagogue are turned looking at him. Something that all of us would hate to happen in church. And they marveled. They marveled at this gracious word. And he says to them, Today, in your hearing, these words have been fulfilled. And they start saying, is this possibly 
the son of a carpenter? Is this Joseph's son? Now we know by the question that they ask that Jesus has already been performing miracles. The word is out on him doing miraculous things and beginning to do the signs and wonders that he has done. And so as they are gathered and asking this question, and he has just said, today in your hearing these words have been fulfilled. So their expectation is what? For the poor to suddenly be rich, the prisons to spring open, the captives to be set free. They are waiting for the miracle to happen. And he responds, Doubtless you have heard about my works. You know, what is it that you have come here to see? What is it that you have come here to hear? Have you come here to hear the word of God? Or have you come here to sit? Have you come here to see the miracles? Or have you come here to experience His grace? What is it you have come here to see and to hear? The people sitting in that synagogue upon Jesus opening His mouth were there to see the miracle. They had heard Him doing it in other places. They knew once He entered into the synagogue, the show might just about begin. They were waiting. You know what's interesting is he winds up citing two little important uh, stories out of the Old Testament. One of the widow, the other of the leper. In both cases, both were not of the people of Israel. There were times in which God had chosen to heal somebody outside the norms. Naaman, the terror, was healed. The widow was visited. By Jesus making that statement at the synagogue, he had closed down the possibility of the miracle happening there that day. And in fact, had sent another statement to them about possibly the ways in which they were not going to be receiving such miracle. And what was their response? Well, I'll tell you. It's in the text. We just read it. (laughs) They were angry. They were seethingly angry to the point where they were going to drag him out and throw him off of the cliff. Literally. The march towards his death was beginning at this point in time. The line had been drawn. What was it Israel had come to see and to hear was not what they were seeing and not what they were hearing. And it made them mad. Getting up out of the pew mad and storming out the door mad. There's no coming back from that kind of anger. They were so angry that this man had to die. And we hear in this story that Jesus just stands up and walks out of their presence. But more about that later. 
This is a little bit of a different story from our other group. <laughs> this other group is a group that found themselves distant from the Lord. They had returned to their own Israel. They returned to build their temple. They returned to build their city. And they found themselves falling into the old ways. Uh, now certainly any of us who have returned and turned out of repentance have found ourselves returning to our old ways. And you will probably have a sense then of what they felt like. But they came and they gathered together, and as Scripture says, they gathered together as if they were one person. And Ezra pulls out the book of the law, the book of God, and he sets it down and he starts to read from it. And if, if you didn't catch it from the text, as he was doing this, there were Levites who stood around him, and as he was reading from the text, the Levites are explaining and teaching to the people about what it is that they are hearing. And all of the people of Israel that were brought back out of the exile are there to listen and they're being taught and they're hearing the Word. And it wasn't just the old people and it just wasn't the middle-aged people and it just wasn't the young, but it was all of them that could understand and as they were teaching and they were preaching, something begins to happen to the people. They start weeping. Now, now, they could be weeping out of despair, the way that law sometimes hits you and hurts you. They could have been weeping because for the first time in a long time, they had heard something different. Kind of like when you suddenly receive that love note from the person who stopped writing you love notes a long time ago. They started weeping and crying. It wasn't what they expected to hear. They didn't walk in prepared to hear whatever it was that was being said. They were so unprepared that it caught them emotionally. They, they seemed as if they were Pentecostals that used to be Lutherans. Could not keep the emotions checked. But even with they're weeping. The priest stops and the Levites stop. And they say, today is a holy day. Stop your weeping. Oh, there's, there's the loop. There. Shows back up. Stop your weeping. For today is a day of joy. Let us begin our celebration. Let us worship the Lord and have a festival. Stop your weeping, for today is a holy day. What is it that you have come to hear? What is it that you have come to see? What has the Lord prepared for you? For it has already been spoken of our time. It has already been said about us by the Lord. That there have been many kings. And there have been many prophets who have longed to see what we see and to hear what we hear. What is it that they long to see and hear? They long to hear of a day when the captives could finally be free from their sin. 
From when there could be a person who could not free themselves from their own behavior, from their own ways, from their own addictions, from their own identities that they have built up over time, and they are waiting for the day that that person can be free. That is what they long to hear and to see. They waited for the day in which those that were captive to their own sickness and illness and death could actually stand in victory over such despair. That's what they waited to see and to hear. What was it that they waited to see and to hear for so long? Was the actual Word of God coming into this world. Not out of some mundane exercise, but to actually feel what we feel, to be in the world that we have, to invade His own creation so that His own creation could have hope. What is it that they waited to hear and to see? Whether they knew it or not, they waited to hear and to see the great lengths that their God would go to to save them, to bring salvation to their homes to proclaim them a new nation and a new people. They waited to see the gift of the cross. They waited to hear of something they could not even imagine, an empty tomb, a promise of resurrection. What is it that you have come to hear and have come to see? We are the body of Christ. Brought into one person. Each of us equal before the next. The baby just baptized a few weeks ago to our oldest member. And each of us coming to hear and to see that the same amount of blood was shed to save each of us. We have come to hear and to see whether we are captives or whether we are free that the Lord knows our name. What is it that we have come here to see? That the gifts of God given to us freely to be ours, to lead us, to bind us together. But what kind of selfish people would we be what kind of selfish people would we be if we did not ask the question of what is it that the world is wanting to see and to hear? And that is actually an easier answer. Because what it is they wait to see and to hear might be very different from what we have to offer. We see people crawling in the streets. They may be standing, but they are doing nothing more than crawling. Crawling either for food, crawling for food or attention, crawling out of their own despair, their own loneliness, their own ruts that we each have created. Crawling because they don't even know what is offered. But over the past several weeks, we have seen what Christ has to offer. 
We have seen the way in which the Word being made flesh into our world has brought us something to see and to hear that changes not just us, but all who come into contact with it. That now is not the time for us to forget that there is a whole world there waiting to hear and to see something. And what is it? That the captives have been set free. That the good news is being preached to the poor. That something in our hearing has been fulfilled and all of it has been fulfilled in Christ. No more do we shut ourselves up to our own. But rather we take on the heart of the repentant Israel and Nehemiah. And proclaim today is a holy day. No more weeping. For our hearts already know a time is coming when the tears will dry up. No more weeping for our captivity because we have been set free. So let us go out and let us speak of what we have heard. Let us do what we have seen. Let us turn their hearts to understand. Let us be the people of God in this world. What is it you have come here to see? What is it that you have come here to hear? May it now become what you are going out to do. Amen? Amen.